0: this is p.s. you're wrong the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love Wait, should I do that, like screaming a little bit, Like doing my Billy Eichner impression, or is that offensive?
1: I think you can do a Billy Eichner impression. <clears throat> okay.
0: This is P.S. No, wait. I need to get this.
1: <laughs> I think the levels are going to be screwed up if you try that out. Okay.
0: This is P.S. You're wrong. The podcast where you talk trap. No, I'm doing two. I haven't you practiced You sound like this. a surfer, bro. I know. I'm trying to get his, like, I Hey, dude, angst. this
1: is P.S. You're wrong. <laughs> The bad Wait, kids you where We talk trash you about do it you do it you people. do Billy Eichner No no here's the thing. here's the trigger have we talked All about- right. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> I'm
0: trying to get that Oh what you are you trying a- to do You know his his Billy on the street like yelling at people
1: Yeah but he doesn't he, he doesn't have an accent I'm not doing
0: an accent I'm just trying to yell It's not it's not in my nature to raise my voice I'm a lady
1: Yeah, you you do. I never you do just have like an unnerving, like scathing glance, (laughs) rather than like shouting at somebody. Yeah,
0: I never have to raise my voice. I communicate. Yeah, you're scary enough as it is, or with my words.
1: Have we talked about though how people have told me that I remind them of Billy Idol? Oh,
0: interesting.
1: And I. And I, I, um, I I'm always like, how how am I supposed to take this mm, that yeah. you're saying you that I remind you of yeah. someone who is most commonly known for going up <laughs> to strangers on the street and shouting in their faces? You know, like, I'm feeling it that right the now. As you are talking, bringing?
0: yeah, I mean, I think there's a level of of uh, maybe sarcasm that bleeds into the cynicism he uh, brings out. I. I think also you have the stature, the the tall, strong, uh, energy, but the, the resting killer face. Uh, as some, I have a it.
1: resting killer face.
0: I don't know. I haven't like seen you at rest in a long time. I'm trying to think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm did just you... in. Inve-
0: I'm envisioning moments where you side eyed like a boss or like sneered right. at well, something. L- when
1: we worked in the office together, did you think of me as like? resting killer face
0: no but it's like if we both were like judging someone or something that was happening you definitely get like a you know an upturned nose and like oh How yes dare this idiot well yes that like of course mm. you know you that's have, like, not to other little... people
1: directly <laughs> that's just us sort of like oh my gosh
0: yeah i'm just trying to i'm trying to help the people who've said this like explain maybe why uh because i could see you doing a billy eichner impression well But I wouldn't say that's your, like, general state of being. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) You're like if Billy Eichner went to therapy, you know? Like, you mellowed out just enough that you're able to channel your uh, frustrations in more
1: healthy ways. I mean, also, we'll get into this when we start talking about the movie more and him and, you know, the plot line and whatever. But I also feel like I am much less cynical than Mm, he is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like I'm a fairly optimistic person, and yeah,
0: annoyingly so. Agreed. Yes, definitely. yes, uh, yes. we well, definitely a more line. optimistic than
1: you. <laughs> yeah.
0: If we joined together, we might be the perfect Billy Eichner, But you'd have to do the voice because clearly, I can't. I can't get it right.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm gonna like get okay. off this
0: and like practice it because I really wish I could do better. You know how in your head you think you're better at impressions than you are?
1: Yes. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I can really like lock in on something, but it's yeah, it's kind of like it's almost accidental. And then once I fall out of it, it's like I can't it's gone forever. Yeah, it's like I can't get back there.
0: There was one week where I did an impressive Barack Obama impression. I couldn't do it now, probably because of shame and guilt and (laughs) discomfort. But there was also an era in high school where I did such a good impression of the of the Urukai in Lord of the Rings, um, the screamy one at the end of Fellowship, and what? the what ones... What
1: is that? What's an urk The orc,
0: I? the uruk the... I don't know what that is. Oh my
1: gosh! (laughs) The orcs.
0: Yeah, but the orcs who can stand in the sun—they're like a different breed of orcs.
1: Wait, some of them can't be in the sun.
0: Oh my gosh, Matthew! I watched
1: these movies. That was a plot
0: line. Yes,
1: they like burnt alive in the sun. They don't
0: like burn alive, but they can't. They're sensitive to it, so they don't like fighting in the sun. So they. (laughs) This is neither here nor there. The point is, I'll do it for you one day. I'll do my orc impression.
1: Can you do it now?
0: Well, it's just not topical, so.
1: <laughs> well, Lord of the Rings is out now. <laughs> are there, yeah. are they in, are these sun? No, Eurekai,
0: in? Eurekai are made in Lord of the Rings. Like, Saruman creates them. He makes them so that he can battle the, the Middle-Earthians in.
1: <laughs> but they're.
0: So, originally they were Orc. And, you know, everyone's got their weaknesses. And the Orcs was Sun. Okay, it's very symbolic, but also literal. And so the Rings of Power show only deals with the orc. Okay, also known as goblins, but they're the same. Yurokai comes in later. Goblins
1: are the same?
0: Yeah, in the the L-O-T-R lore, yes. Listen, I'm happy to do a Rings of Power. Goblins
1: are like the money people, though.
0: Go- no, that's in they Harry like Potter.
1: <laughs> they like That's
0: gold, in right? her- J.K. Rowling's anti-Semitic go- take. Was
1: Gollum an orc? Because he was no. in the dark a
0: lot, right? Oh, God. Are you joking? Like, honestly, Matthew, I'm embarrassed for you because I'm not even ashamed of the level of nor- nerdiness that's coming out of me because these are basic details. Gollum is a is a halfling. Gollum is a... What the Half is a halfling.
1: <laughs> Frodo, half of he's what? a
0: hobbit. He's a like person? a version of a hobbit.
1: He's a half hobbit.
0: No, that's just What's what the they're, other called? Them, orc? He's, just, he's they're called. It's just they're called halflings, probably because they're half the size of humans. I think is where the term came from. In- Wait,
1: Frodo's also a halfling? Yes. What? I thought he was a hobbit. Yeah,
0: but halfling is like a okay. Halfling is like a. It's like calling white people crackers. Okay. What? <laughs>
1: Okay, we It's we, not I, quite I, a
0: slur, I, I, but I, it's I, like I'm a generic back out of the
1: tunnel into okay, the sunlight like... on this one. We got we've gone too far. I don't need to know any of this. This is superfluous information. I don't care about the Onakai and the Horks and the halflings and whatever the hell else is lurking in there no no thank you back to bros back to bros (laughs) only humans in bros there's a lot of queer humans but they're all they can all be in the sunlight that i'm aware of yeah and they're Uh, all alive people
0: yes uh bros is the (laughs) is the billy eichner rom-com uh circling back to that detail uh billy eichner famously loves to talk about how he wrote this, stars in it. It's um, directed by a queer person. It's produced by Judge Apatow, who's famous for his rom com slash kind of comedy rom-coms, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And so this is touted as, like, the first major studio gay romance to come to theaters. Yeah, a very specific uh, yes. record-breaking.
1: The... The film is obviously, like, historic in that there aren't that many gay movies, especially gay big studio movies uh, and gay rom-coms that have been made in, you know, the, the world, in history. Yeah. And so it is a milestone, but... There is a little there he Billy Eichner in the promo of this movie before this had ever reached festivals because I saw it when it uh, debuted at Toronto. But before Mm -hmm. it had even gone there, like the the press cycle leading up to any of the release, Billy Eichner was quoted as, you know, like sort of patting himself on the back quite a bit about the historicalness of this movie and yes there are like some very specific landmarks that it has but there's also if you talk about it like in more general terms there are other movies other gay rom-coms you know like love simon fire island that have come out recently uh, so anyways i think this movie from the job part of part of the thesis and the things i want to talk about with this episode of the podcast about bros are this sort of ways that the movie (laughs) tripped over like trips over itself and kind of shoots itself in the foot at various points, but also the ways that it's like secretly really good, yeah. but it doesn't sort of, uh, there's a lot of like patting itself on the back Mm -hmm. and then a lot of sort of like whipping itself at the same time that makes it a sort of hard cultural Artifact to discuss But Billy Eichner was very uh, Grandiose In his statements Mm -hmm. of the film Coming into it Which I think led a lot of people Especially a lot of queer people To immediately sort of get their hackles up And be skeptical Of what was coming down the pipe For them And
0: Well on top of that People just don't like Billy Eichner He's a very divisive personality Yes. He's a very divisive personality across the board for, like, straight and queer, whatever. I think it's, like, some people hate him. Some people love him. Some people think he's not funny and is irritating. Other people think he's hilarious and biting. Uh, You know, he's done things people like, like his – is it Difficult Conversations?
1: Difficult People. Difficult People. I think it's a show that people, yeah, generally like. But not yeah. that many people watch and I think got canceled.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously Billy on the Street started as like a um, little internet bit with um, What's that called? Funny or Die. And then was ultimately added to Netflix where he did a couple more seasons through them. And so it's like he's been around. Like I know him. He showed up on Parks and Rec for an extended like supporting character role um and he always plays the same sort of yelling biting cynical derisive like kind of sneering (laughs) sneering person that might be hard to be around yeah and so it's interesting that he he led the campaign for this movie like obviously he's the star of it obviously he wrote it And he should be talking about it, but the fact that I didn't see anyone else in this movie talking about it, like, they never showed up at the VMAs, they never handed out, you know, did a speech at whatever where they're promoting it. It was just Billy Eichner being like, if you don't see this, you're a homophobe, and, like, we're losing our rights, so you have to see this. And it was all about, like, what this movie was made for or, like, what it represented and not really about the film itself. And that was even true in the marketing of it. Like, even the trailers were kind of posited as, like, oh, straight people, look at this. like, it's the first gay rom-com. And it's, like, I didn't know who they were selling it to because it's kind of, like, aggressive in its, like – homophobes beware slant. So I don't think it's drawing in people who are on the fence, which they don't have to. But then it was also like clearly focused on pointing its finger at the straight audience. So then it's like, well, do you want like LGBTQ people to feel represented by this? Like, why aren't you selling it as just what it is, which is two boys falling in love? You know, like it just, like I saw a tweet today that was like, yeah, he wasted so much energy talking about what the movie does that people missed out on how funny the movie actually is. And so people yeah. just were making their decision based on this like marketing campaign that didn't necessarily do a great job of pitching the movie itself.
1: Yeah. Billy Eichner is a divisive character. I think that it, he seems to be one of those kind of gay figures who the gays don't love that much. <laughs> I would say his probably biggest audience of people. People who like him are probably straight women, but then obviously there's a vast group of those who don't like him because he's gay. Um, So it does, to have him at the helm is sort of an interesting uh, project where I think. I, so I think that probably the better version of this press cycle looks a lot or even this movie looks a lot like Fire Island earlier yeah. this year, where you have people at the start at, at who are starring who are gay, but who are very celebrated within the gay community. Like yeah. um, Bo and Yang and Joel Kim Booster are very uh, popular gay figures and also the movie didn't spend a lot of time in its press cycle sort of you know talking about the historicalness sort of trying to threaten people into going to see it on either side of saying like well if you if you don't see this you're homophobic or like gays you got to go see this so that we can get our rights back and just mostly we're like hey this is a fun rom-com with gay people that's at fire island like you you'll enjoy it no matter who you are like come watch this movie and i think that was a big success this has done fairly poorly in the box office. It finished yeah. fifth this week. It's opening weekend against not particularly stiff competition. And so the fact it that was it's fifth? done. Yeah, it was fifth.
0: I yeah. I know it lost the first spot to smile, but what else was there?
1: Um, I, Like re it, Not like new things. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. It just says, yeah, finishing fifth at the box office. I can look it up.
0: Well, no. I mean, yeah, it was interesting because it came out with, like, a hugely positive critic review. Like, you know, premiered with, like, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, and all the reviews were mostly positive, like, from B to A range or four-ish stars. And so it was getting a lot of hype for being, like, an actually funny, actually good movie. And so people were projecting it to make, like, quite a bit but it only opened to like 4.8 million in the US against its $23 million budget, which is a huge budget for a rom com, which is a genre that has struggled famously for years, which is why the rom coms of recent years have been released to streaming instead of attempting a theatrical release. And so I think okay, it's like. I
1: have the numbers. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, in first place, we have Smile, which made $22 million.
0: Good then them. in second
1: place we have Don't Worry Darling down oh, one yeah, slot from last week, yeah. which made six million, so a big oh, wow. drop off <laughs> from Smile uh woman king also made six million that's a number three it was number two last week then in fourth place we have the avatar re-release which made five million dollars <laughs> and then in fifth place we have bros that made four oh, that's, million eight hundred and fifty
0: thousand that hurts a little more it's a I, slot above funny.
1: barbarian and then bullet train and <laughs> dc league of super pets
0: yeah i mean it's sad to think about because you know, execs are looking at these numbers and making broad strokes with them where it's like, oh, are they gonna let another gay lead star in a tent pole? I don't know. Like, that is like the sad part of this. But on the other hand, I think we should allow movies to just exist. Like, they're, they should be, you know, there's so many mediocre movies made. Uh, Yes. And like why not have one of them be queer? You know. Like
1: like like straight people get good movies, bad movies, mediocre yeah. movies. Like queer people should also get those. Yeah. Same things. I I so I wanted to talk to you about this yeah. specifically as a straight person. Mm, yes. Um yes. I feel like in recent years we have gotten some Several several movies that are sort of touted as like these big historical diverse uh, diverse films, you know, from Black Panther to Love Simon to Crazy Rich Asians, and part of the marketing I think in a lot of those was like, okay, like if you want if you want to see more diversity in screen, you need to go out and support these movies. But I think in all of those cases that were successful, they were movies that like, yes, we're particular to that culture. Like they right. had specific elements from that, but were also a very, you know, had a very wide appeal in their storyline and weren't, you never right. really felt like, or at least I didn't as a white person, that I was like missing out on things necessarily, or I was confused by stuff. I felt like I could follow the storylines fine. And right. also in all of, the cases that have to do with race or gender the just like sheer uh percentage of the population is higher there's more people in the world who are black than there are right. people who are gay yeah. so like the so the numbers are bigger in general i felt like after watching bros that it was a very very gay movie in an almost like pulled directly from Twitter, like so many references, so like inside baseball in some points that yeah. didn't that did that I didn't think that like Fire Island really went as far with, and yeah. I wondered if like you felt like this was like were there things that you were confused about? Like I guess how <laughs> did you like how did you how approachable did you feel like this? Movie I made mean, was, was a list of questions.
0: What is about him? No, I. <laughs> I appreciate the question. I do feel like as someone who is online, it it didn't phase me in any way. Like I feel like I've learned a lot of it, you know. And not only that, I feel like this is a very niche gay like it's a very specific, it's the New Yorks cis yeah. gay and um white gay even, and I feel like that's the loudest group just by sheer numbers, I guess. And so that is the one that is mostly, you know, explored through different film and TV and SNL skits and whatever else and viral tweets. And so none of it like felt unapproachable. It felt like really... I I enjoyed watching the movie. Like I I know I've been making fun of the promo and stuff. It wasn't a bad movie. I honestly think it's like you look at Don't Worry Darling, that is a that's a bad movie. That's a mediocre movie that is funny to watch for different reasons. But this is like there's humor there, there's heart. It was nice to see, you know, love portrayed in all its messy glory and like the different ways that happens. Like watching the the two men kiss never made me go, oh, I've never seen that before. Oh, that's disgusting. Oh, that's unnatural. It was just like, uh. I'm glad they finally kiss. You know, it felt right. very much like a rom com where you're just hitting the same notes and you're excited to see how they work it out in the end. And so I think like the the thing that was less approachable maybe was the the heavy handedness of some of its own self importance. And like I don't know if that's I don't know if that's just mean, you know, subconsciously being like, well, don't lecture me about this or something. But it's more just like, wow, we spend a lot of time with Billy Eichner ranting about something or like (laughs) there's a lot of monologuing happening. And I don't know if we needed every instance of that. I think there were moments where it was powerful, like seeing the museum exhibit of all these, uh, gay people that we lost or that struggled for rights that we're barely getting. Um, and so it's like, and on some hands, I was like, unbothered by the movie in most ways. Like, it was like, oh, this is fun. Like, this is funny. Do I, have I ever encountered group sex in any way? No. So it was like, but it wasn't yeah, jarring to me. me yeah. Yet. <laughs> yet. But it wasn't like jarring to see and it w- it didn't feel like shocking. Like, you know, it didn't feel like it was being done for the shock value. It felt like it was being done for the story and it felt very natural for these characters and the and the the way they'd been presented to us before. And I liked that it was so not even unapologetic. It was just like, oh, this is how we talk about sex. This is what we do for sex. And like, yeah, we just went on our first date, but like, will you come to this threesome with me? Because I don't want to go to bed with you alone. And I thought that was like funny and unique, but it wasn't something where I was like, huh, I need to sit down and unpack who really would do this as a queer person type thing. And so I can see why people are like, I, I feel like if you watch the movie, you get it. But it is like if you think about, you know, someone growing up in middle America, not being around gay people, suddenly watching a trailer and they show that clip in it, you're like, oh my gosh oh, what? (laughs) Group sex? Like, no. (laughs) Even though we see such worse and violent and extreme depictions of sex through, you know, Game of Thrones and House of Dragons and like, you know, any sort of award winning art where it's like, oh, it's played for serious. It's, It's so dramatic. It's so violent. It's so awful. I can't look away. Whereas this is just like, oh, yeah, this is part of their courtship, I guess. And it's just like, it just feels normal in the context of the film.
1: Yeah, I guess. I guess maybe my question is is better for like because I have had conversations with people where I where they've been like, wait, what is Grinder? Like, how do like <laughs> how does that work? And I've had to sort of sit down and be like, okay, this is That's what hilarious. it is. This is yeah. the app. Like, this is how you use <laughs> it. This is what you message people. Like, the, and, yeah, I'm familiar with that. And I feel like that. Yeah, maybe I'm just thinking of more of like a middle America cross section because you like lived in New York, you know, now still live in a big city are very online, very like aware of pop culture and things. Because I just feel like like the group of people who is going to see Shang-Chi or the group of people who is going to see, you know, um, like the all female Ghostbusters, like feels like a much more cross-section of America where this movie even though it's like a mainstream studio film feels very niche to me and a lot of its jokes and references that I was like I don't know if a lot of people are gonna get these yeah and so it's not necessarily super surprising to me that it didn't do well especially when I think I think the gay community and maybe it's like the sort of like liberal community in general (laughs) like love to sort of like undercut themselves before something even happens where so many people in the gay community were like boycotting this or had decided they didn't like it or were complaining about it and talking about negatively about it before it even came out and then you know once reviews and stuff started to appear that it sort of made like it wasn't Uh, celebratory in like, yeah, let's all go see this and support this movie. I mean, I know some people who had that stance, but I also saw a lot of people online have sort of negative stances to it. I felt like my watching of it, I sort of had some qualms with it. Um, and And I feel like I just holds this, these kinds of movies to a higher standard necessarily right. than I think I do other movies or I think other groups of people do to their movies. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I don't think straight people are looking at their rom-coms through the same right. lens that I am looking at this rom-com through. Yeah. And that's part of the problem as well of like, okay, if people, if like conservatives aren't going to see this movie and sort of like mainstream straight like people probably aren't going to see this movie, and the audience is fairly limited to begin with. Then, if the a lot of the people who are in the core of your audience also are picking, are sort of nitpicking it, right? It, it's like it's losing people favors. from both directions yeah. in a way that I don't think like Crazy Rich Asians was losing anyone from either right. direction, aside from just like blatant racists. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, it's true. I think I get your point where it feels like. on one hand, you're like paying more attention to this because there's so few chances. You're like, oh, I hope they get this right. Like if there's something wrong with it, then it's just like lambasted from both sides. as like a failure. And what does that mean for the next one? And then on top of it, yeah, there's sort of this, we don't need this. So like, why are you even, why are you even pressuring me to see this type thing? And I think it's interesting because like thinking about the rom-com heyday and your how to lose a guy in 10 days and, you know, Runaway Bride or Pretty Woman, like these are all very generic films that felt like, yes, they take place in New York. Yes, they take place in L.A., but you could transport them anywhere and like people get it. They get the jokes. They know what's happening. Like nothing specific goes on. (laughs) aside from like, oh, I work at a magazine, but it's like so unrealistic that you're like, what are you doing? Whereas this tried to be very realistic in its portrayal of New York, in its portrayal of gay romance. And they were doing things like Provincetown, which I'd never heard of, but I was like, I guess this is a thing. And obviously the main plot point surrounds Billy's character, who I think is Bobby. And he's a podcaster who does like a kind of gay rights podcast and is now the director of the first LGBTQ, um, museum in New York. So it's all like very hyper specific and that's like his entire personality is wrapped up in his very specific career. And so I think that does kind of, you know, weigh the plot down a little bit more than you get in most rom-coms, which is very much more focused on slapstick sort of moments which obviously this movie has with like the wrestling turned sexcapade and like funny little bits about like hallmark channel movies but it's also serviced by this undercurrent of like we're going to talk about queer history because we might not get another chance and we're going to make this uh we're going to talk about the issues you know trademarked and it, it, it was just like there was a lot happening in the movie that it it seemed kind of split between being a serious art piece and just being a rom-com that happens to star gay people.
1: Yeah, it does feel a little labored under, like, the weight of itself yeah. and the the banners that it thinks it's carrying. I think that with comedies for movies uh, and TV, but the I think especially movies – the the key is like you want to have you want to be full of a lot of little very funny jokes like i think like the, the new hocus pocus movie which i would <laughs> yeah. about, like i mean not like the best comedy ever but it has lots of like funny little one-liners funny little right. sides like funny little things that if you watch it multiple times like you kind of forget those bits and would and there's lots of jokes. And I think that something like You've Got Mail has mm-hmm. tons of those. Like every yeah. time you watch it, there's new little nuances and things that you you stumble upon. And something like The Lost City earlier this year, I think doesn't <laughs> have as many of those. And so makes yeah. it weaker as a rom com because it's like it's relying on several big jokes, like, oh, there's a leech on your butt rather yeah. than a bunch of tiny little jokes. And so I think that this movie gets it right in delivering you lots of little things. They just all feel like very specific, like Twitter kind of comedy, which makes this feel not very timeless. Like in five years watching this movie, I think it will be so, so, so dated. Yeah. And I enjoyed it, a lot of it, watching it now. But I was kind of thinking like, okay... And the great pantheon of rom-coms, like this doesn't necessarily feel like it's going to hold up super well just because it's so specific. (laughs) But I think that's kind of what Billy Eichner's brand is. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, I went to a matinee and it was just like me and 12 senior citizens. I don't know why, but they were there and they were having a good time. But there was this line which made me laugh out loud. And it was like the only, like it was a big laugh for me. And it was when he was like, you're like a grown-up Boy Scout and I'm whatever happens to Evan Hansen.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. And I thought uh-huh. that
0: was so funny, but no one else laughed. Like, I don't think they knew what Ev- Dear Evan Hansen is. And that's like, you know, a very specific joke, a very specific reference. And it does feel like something where people would be like, it won't it won't hit the same mark, even if people think about it and are like, oh, yeah, that's funny. It's just going to slip through people's minds because like what is your Evan Hansen, like chokehold on society? It's like nothing now. And so, yeah, I can see things like that where it's like there are moments that are really funny right now, but as a whole, you're kind of left with this character you might not like that much uh, because he is abrasive. He is feeling a little bit you know, I hate to say it, but too much. Like, it's just like, you kind of lose the charm of your usual leading man. And I think there are a lot of gay gay actors who could have played it more likable, but there's something. And I didn't mind that he was there because I think that's part of its charm is that he is trying to make a point that even if he's quote unquote unlikable, he's still worthy of love. And like, even if he has this confidence. It's a little bit of faking it and a little bit of, you know, still working through his own issues. And I liked all those layers of it, but I think it also just felt heavy-handed knowing how he promoted it as like, this is a huge, important, this is activism basically to see this movie. And then throughout the movie, there's all these heavy-handed messaging too about like, well, aren't you going to teach second graders about like sex and penises and stuff, which i Like, I get it all, right? But it just starts to feel like it's slowing down the heart and fuel of the rom-com to make points that the rom-com itself didn't need.
1: Yeah, yes. There are some, like, very political moments that I think, yeah, are good and I obviously agree with. But it's sort of like, in a movie, you only have so many messages that you can get across. And this felt like it was maybe trying to do too much. I also feel like the... I mean, we have gotten this in other forms as well over the yeah. years, but the uh, the like I'm I'm not attractive, I'm yeah. unlikable, I'm really annoying. But then the person who's and no one ever likes me. But then I'm gonna fall in love with like the hottest, most perfect, you know, person ever. Trope is it. <laughs> it sort of is like weird in both directions because in one way, like I do feel that we you know, there are people in the world who are not super hot and who are slightly annoying and those people do deserve love just as much as anybody else and they oftentimes find that like, you know, there's a match for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important that we show that in the uh, world, but it's sort of saying like, okay, well looks aren't important. Like but then also they are because I want to be with a hot person. It's, yeah. <laughs> it, it's like you can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. You can't be like, well, looks aren't really important. And, like, look at how hot
0: my boyfriend but, is. Yeah,
1: but like look how hot my boyfriend is, which I feel like this movie is sort of doing. It yeah. Like Billy is saying like, well, you should want to date me even though I'm not hot, but I should be able to date hot people. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of a strange double yeah. standard that I feel like is is weird and, and also then combined with this attitude that is in the gay community in general of, which I think is based on internalized homophobia that like masculine sort of more straight presenting gay men are more desirable yeah. and more feminine. um You know, like obviously gay, gay people are less desirable. And I think that as time goes on the, that that, standard is getting sort of subverted and broken up and you know being addressed more yeah and i think it's a lot less of an issue now than it was maybe like 10 years ago but it obviously still is an issue but again it sort of is going both ways in this where he's saying like well how come nobody likes me because i'm not masculine enough right. but then he only wants to date the person who's also super masculine mm. so it it feels uh, it like feels a, a little right yeah, prickly, I yeah. guess, in some ways. And also I was thinking Well, we can get we can get into another into another point later about other gay rom coms. But yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I felt like I it it also has like multiple things happening as sort of trying to be the tension as a film. Uh because on one hand you do have this, how could you love me? You don't really love me, you're not attracted to me, like constant uh uh tune from Billy Eichner's character. But then on top of it, you have this weird like, oh, I'm jealous of your old high school crush and now he's out and like, I don't know if I can handle the jealousy there. So like, don't interact with him. But then you also have, oh, uh, his love interest isn't like totally comfortable being gay and is like telling him to bottle it up around his family and that's not great and like, that's not nice to hear and like, that's not a good partner to have. And so when it all comes to a head, it kind of reminded me of how Marry Me, I felt like it lost the plot in who do, who needed to apologize to whom.
1: Yes. Because
0: uh-huh. it was like, ultimately, yes, I did feel like everyone in the audience cringed when he was told he was being too much and he needed to yes. dial it back. But you could also see like in their argument where he rightfully is like, I felt like you did it intentionally. And Billy Eichner's like, yes, I did. I'm sorry. And then you're like, oh, okay, they're getting back together. But suddenly his like issue is, no, I don't trust you. And I felt like that was kind of weird because it's like, oh, that was like the C plot of these three issues. And on top of it, it wasn't. I don't know. I mean, you know, you can have your feelings about what counts as cheating and, like, what's a line and whatever. And, like, he felt, like, betrayed, I guess. But then the ending felt kind of convoluted of, like, he wrote him a song and this guy came running through the streets for him. And I was kind of, like, confused about who I was supposed to be Uh rooting for and feeling for because it was kind of like, okay. I mean, they should have worked this out a month ago, but I'm glad they're doing it now. (laughs) And uh, and –
1: I feel like of the gay movies that we've, that have been out recently of the fire Island and also whatever the gay Christmas one that was last year. And then also the Kristen Stewart lesbian Christmas movie. I think that like, while some of those were perhaps a little bit more on the nose and cliched, they were all like sort of knew what they were doing and stuck to it really well. And I think had one, more broad appeal, but two, were also, yeah, just like less sort of messy in the plotting yeah. and were trying to do less and it ended up making me like those movies more oh, than yeah. I like this one.
0: Well, you can see that the budget of this film went towards this like ensemble cast that was really superfluous. Like, yes, the Deborah Messing bit was honestly hilarious. I mean, the other people in the cast
1: were all incredible. I, yeah. I thought all <laughs> of the funniest bits were the bits that were not... Um, Billy Eichner and (laughs) Luke McFarlane like the the, whenever there was the boardroom scenes with the gay museum (laughs) I thought those were super funny I love the Deborah Messing stuff Um, I liked the Harvey Firestein scene you know like
0: Bowen Yang was there for some reason yeah
1: like all of the sort of cameos and and side plots I thought were were the best parts of the movie there was this whole subplot about like how jim rash's character wants a bisexual section of the museum and i thought every time that bit came back it was funny and better (laughs) than it was previously and like it just paid off so perfectly yeah
0: yeah and so it's just like there was a lot happening and on one hand it worked but then on the other hand it kind of like broke under its own weight and so i kind of was like left yeah, it, it just didn't feel like the payoff felt as big as those other rom-com moments because you had so many issues to fix that it was just, like, perfunctory. Like, oh, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. And it all, like, kind of got into line really quick in the end. I also did not understand the musical number bit. Yeah, I felt like people was were so
1: talking weird. about that afterwards and how much they liked it, and I was sort of like <laughs> – I didn't get it here's something that I will say about myself and and I was thinking about this a lot after watching this movie and because I saw it in Toronto so there were also like I had gay friends and, and other people who we're seeing it at the same time and have and have seen it since so i know a decent number of gay people who have seen this movie and i think a lot of them liked it and another movie that was in toronto was my policeman the new harry styles movie mm. that's also a gay movie and i liked that one more than i liked this and mm. also like i said i liked happiest season more than i liked this but i also know a bunch of gays who don't like those two movies yeah and i think that as I was sort of piecing this together, I came up with this theory of like, I think there's two different groups of gay people and their coming out experiences. Right. I think there's gay people who sort of like grew up in liberal centers, um, you know, had not necessarily an easy time coming out, but like came out younger, had more accepting people in their lives. yeah, And therefore, um, Like, have had to confront homophobia, but like in more sort of nuanced ways. And I think that for those people, the sort of like coming out narrative is a little bit tired, but also like unrelatable. So they don't like the gay movies that are like mostly about coming out. And I think also those type of people, in a lot of ways, while they have less internalized homophobia, sometimes they actually have more internalized homophobia because they've never really had to like deal with it. Right. It's head like on. Because infancy. they've always lived in these like sort of like nice settings where the homophobia is more of an undercurrent. Mm-hmm. Where myself and I think other people who grew up in much more conservative areas who had to really like go through a lot in order to come out the the like coming out story is very relatable and also so much more of like a triumph and i felt myself getting frustrated in this movie with so many of the kind of uh like uh isn't the gay community like so messed up yeah plot lines <laughs> they like and so stupid I- yeah yeah. Like, oh, uh, they're so dumb. Oh, uh, they have such weird ways of doing things. Like, why is everybody hooking up with each other? Like, just so, it felt like there was kind of like a lot of derogatory, yeah, like self-loathing kind of in yeah. bits of it. And I was like, for me, ha- having been someone who like wanted to come out for so long, who couldn't, and who lived in a like horrible situation mm-hmm. of, you know, blatant homophobia surrounding me from all sides. Like the the weird little quirks and things about the gay community and, you know, the ways that they handle sex. And, you know, like obviously some of that does have negative connotations to it, but I think in a lot of ways should be celebrated and there's lots of good things coming out of it. So to me to have a movie that sort of... That I felt like was kind of down on yeah. gays for a lot of the time as a gay movie did not sit as well with me. Where something like Happiest Season, where it's like you get to the end and it's like this triumph. And yeah. these people like who want to be able to come out and finally they do, and finally they like have can sort of like push aside the negativity and like start moving towards something better. Just it is a storyline that, for me, feels more empowering yeah. and interesting. and and I, as I was like sort of talking to people after the movie in Toronto, I noticed that the people who seemed to like it more were the gay people who were from like Ohio and mm. you know, Texas, like people who were not necessarily like New York critics who were critics from other places. And the people who liked it less were people who grew up in, you know, like l a. New York, like more liberal mm. areas. And I don't know. I just that was a thought I had. Yeah.
0: Well, I felt like that there was like a condescension I didn't I didn't feel was earned with like the hallmark bit where they yeah. he's constantly making fun of representation in movies that he's like citing as kind of queer baiting or like just a cash grab while starring in a movie that is also like like representative so it was just like i mean those movies mattered like the hallmark channel starting to do queer love stories was obviously a financial choice that was way too long coming but it still allowed people to have like the first gay holiday romance and having the holiday season was like a big deal and all those movies put queer people on the screen and so i feel like it was kind of like a weird bit to have throughout the film. And like he tried to play it off as like, yeah, he makes fun of him, but actually there's secret pleasure, but it's like I just I felt like it was kind of like, um, I mean, a little self-awareness, you know, like it's like, I think there are other things to make fun of in a homophobic world than instances of representation that means something to the the people you claim to represent.
1: I just needed it to be a little bit more earnest, and you know yeah. what dynamic I think, uh, like this may- movie was maybe going for and didn't quite land, is the Schitt's Creek dynamic <laughs> of like Dan Levy's character is also very kind of like cynical and curmudgeonly, yeah. But the way that he, mm, yeah, uh, like the way that the Patrick and him like interact and sort of how Patrick like gets him to be. Mm-hmm like embrace sort of like this side of him. That's definitely always in there, but he's like afraid of letting out Yeah, is just so beautiful to yeah. watch in that show. And I think is, Oh my gosh, what... I would have
0: loved him in this. He should have been Billy. Yeah.
1: Character. And I feel like that this movie never, qu- like even when it got to the end, the like earnestness wasn't quite there. Like the song that happened here <laughs> was not the
0: simply the best singing
1: scene in Schitt's yeah. Creek. Unfortunately,
0: yeah, that is interesting. I feel like that's a good summary kind of of what was missing because it was kind of like you get to the end and, like, sure, he learned to love himself in a way, it, like, but he didn't, did like, hard. change. Yeah, It wasn't, like, growth across the board. It was just kind of like, okay, I'll text you, like, what's up, and you'll come running, and then I have this song I happen to perform, and now we'll just, like, do this. I, I don't know. It's just, like, yeah, there wasn't that triumphant sort of feel. And so I think – you know as a movie it was it was good i just feel like it got kind of drowned in its own sort of apprehension about
1: acceptance yeah it was very funny and i like would encourage people to go see it i think it's a like it's a fun movie to watch it's a good movie it's doing a lot of different things that i do think are important and obviously representation is so important and the like if this movie you know d- does well or does better and you're, you know, like keeps making money in the box office. Like that's great. Um, but also, yeah, I think that like with straight movies or any kind of grouping of movies, like there's going to be some that are heading it out of the park and there's going to be some that are a little bit more mixed. And I think this is one that I'm like, it was good, but like not necessarily great.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we do have to talk about how Billy Eichner has, uh, has responded to the oh, yeah. failure <laughs> um,
1: Which, this is our least favorite thing ever we I talk know. about this this is the worst thing to do yeah I, it's never worked for anybody yeah i don't know why directors <laughs> insist on doing this yeah
0: Ugh. i mean it was yeah because he obviously you know over the weekend it didn't do well and so billy eichner got on twitter and was like i at first, he was like, I snuck into a movie theater. Everyone was good, fine. Everyone was laughing. Everyone was crying. It was so good. And then he's like, the... Um, even with the glowing reviews, great Rotten Tomato score, and ace cinema score, straight people, especially in certain parts of the country, just didn't show up for bros. And that's disappointing. Everyone who isn't a homophobic weirdo should go see bros tonight. You will have a blast. And it's special and uniquely powerful to see this particular story on a big screen, especially for queer folks who don't get this opportunity
1: often. Well, and it's so like patting himself yeah. on the back. Like, yeah. <laughs> like Billy Eggner is just sort of an annoying person. But oh, yeah. it's so like... My movie was so good. I'm so yeah. smart and I'm so funny. And everybody who liked it said I was so smart and you're so funny. About, and if yeah. you didn't like it, if you didn't come see it, then you're dumb because I'm obviously the best and everybody thinks I'm so clever. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's not really like how you get people. Like, it's sort of a Leah Michelle tactic. But oh, yeah. I don't know it's working for you.
0: It's giving Lena Dunham. Like it's like. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's something that's like. Oh, you just you just elevated the cringe factor like you could have been like like I think there was a moment where he could pivot to be like, oh, like maybe we haven't pitched this well, but like this is a, you know, like talk more about the story itself and talk more about why it's a good movie and not just you need to see this or you're a homophobe. Because it just, well, like, waters it down to a defensive tactic. I th- yeah.
1: I-, I think even if he was, like, ugh, like, I'm disappointed that this yeah. movie hasn't done better at the box office, like, it was such a groundbreaking achievement for, right. you know, the LGBT people. And the fact that it's not doing well is is, you know, it's, like, sort of hard to see or whatever. It's different than saying, like, well, I made a really good thing. Yeah, and you should like it because <laughs> of what I did. Yeah.
0: Where- well, and just like let word of mouth have a chance, right? Like retweet yeah. things that people are excited about. Talk, engage with the audience that did like it, and don't just yell across the ac- across the moat at the people who didn't see it. Like, like I think about everything, everywhere, all at once. No one knew about that movie coming out, and and once it did, and people started to get excited about it, the directors weren't like heck, yeah, if you don't see this, you're a freaking loser. (laughs) Like, it was just like, yes, we're so glad you get it. Like, I think there is something about positivity that breeds positivity. And if he turned the spotlight to things that people liked about the movie, then people would be naturally curious to learn more instead of immediately defensive, whether that's right or wrong, by him yelling on the street at us.
1: Yeah, and I sort of feel like this kind of movie – was always gonna be a little bit of a hard sell yeah. and a little bit of a slow burn. And it and I think it is funny. So I think that word of mouth, you know, like translates well. I know a lot of people who are gay who went and saw it this week and posted on social media. And I imagine that more people would go yeah. in the future. Especially if you think it's super niche. Right. Like, I think it might take somebody else seeing it, encouraging you to go see it. Like, if I was a straight 50 year old woman <laughs> and I saw the trailer for this movie, I might not necessarily be like, ah, yes, this is something I need to rush out and see in yeah. the first week. But if some friend of mine who was also straight went and said, oh, it's so funny, you'll love it, then I might give it a chance. And I think that nobody likes being shouted at or told what to do. (laughs) And especially to be told like, well, you're a bad person if you don't do this. It's like that you win more flies with honey than with vinegar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting to see him, to see his approach to marketing this. I do feel like it's too bad and, and kind of like, what was it where it's like, they should have been celebrating the work of the, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like how Florence Pugh talks about "Don't worry, darling," where she's like, "This is a movie and it's out," <laughs> and she's like, "I'm grateful for everyone involved in this who who put in the work and time." Like it was like, even though we know as a society that she does not like the movie, she clearly is glad it's over. She still made every mention of it like positive in whatever felt authentic to her, which was celebrating the boom mic guy and like you know the the costumers. So it's like. There's always room to spin it and not that you have to be like toxic positive, but just like if you're marketing a film, like you got to know what's going to work. And, and this is like such a niche film, but that doesn't mean you won't get the audience. It just means there's a ripple effect that has to
1: happen. Yeah. I mean, and there's obviously always a time for negativity and a time for positivity, yeah. but yeah, with, uh, like, and also why did it come out
0: in October? Like spooky season. It's a very weird time for a rom com, I will say.
1: I don't know. I feel like that this and like it's up against a bunch of other kind of biggish things. Yeah. Like I don't know why the, the, this mo- this feels like a movie that they should have put out in February. People would have loved it then.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like honestly like not up against a lot of competition in like an everything everywhere all at once slot. Yeah. Where you have a lot of time to sort of like build word of mouth. There's not a lot of competition. Now there's big stuff coming out every week until mm-hmm. the end of the year. And this doesn't have a a tie in To a particular time, like where horror movies, okay, people in October want to go see horror movies, so that's why you let it out then, or like, oh, it's a Christmas movie. Okay, so you you need to put it out at Christmas. Like, this could have been any
0: time. Yeah. And most people most people aren't spending 14 bucks a week to see a movie. So you start to like pick and choose what you're gonna go see in theaters, and that's just a fact. And that's why rom-coms have had such a hard time over the last few years and why they've been going to streaming instead, because that's never something that people are prioritizing in a time where people are going to the movies less so it's like and that's why
1: fire island worked yeah
0: (laughs) yeah and it's just like you know you can want to be the record breaker and like prove to universal studios that this is a thing that would work but i wonder like what happened where they thought 23 million is a likely budget october is a good month like this is the right promo cycle it just seems like there were a lot of weird small missteps that led to kind of this fizzle i
1: mean i think it did do pretty horribly yeah yeah, because uh, twenty three million is a budget. Isn't I mean, Smile made that much money yeah. this weekend, <laughs> and that's like that's a movie that doesn't really have any stars in it. Yeah, um, like doesn't you you know like isn't trafficking in a lot of I didn't really hear very much about it before it came out. I mean, I think it's supposed to be good. Yeah. but like um, you know, I I think that this movie underperformed in a very big way which I think a lot of it had to do with the promo
0: yeah yeah it's unfortunate and it's like sure there is a body of people who like are giving it one stars and citing the homosexual agenda and like that homophobia is a problem and like this movie was never going to be the thing to solve it so it's weird to try and speak to that audience specifically you know what I mean
1: yeah definitely
0: but yeah, I mean, well, I thought it was fun. I I felt like it was it was a good rom-com. It wasn't necessarily like, you know, I wasn't guffawing out loud the whole time and leaving in tears as Billy Eichner experienced in his secret...
1: In his secret screaming. <laughs> his
0: but it was a good time, so...
1: <sighs> well, when Billy Eichner dies, we will... <laughs> Put, him in, put his casket in the New York Pride Parade and we'll say <laughs> he, he, he wasn't, wasn't for, for us. <laughs> everybody, but he was for us. Him and Lena. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, well, I think that's I think we've touched everything about that. Yeah. We've done a complete autopsy on yeah. <laughs> Rose and its failures and successes. Um I think we'll be back next week.
0: Yeah. I think we might yes. try to do our fall TV roundup.
1: Yes, provided so, I have time to watch Matthew? all the movies, because <laughs> Shelby doesn't want to support um, Taylor, Jet Fuel, Swift, yeah. and the abuser. David, uh, oh, what a monster! Director, Russell. yeah, yes of what's it called? Amsterdam. Amsterdam. I have to see that, but uh, sneak um, yes.
0: into it. Don't spend money on it.
1: Yeah, Buy I mean... a ticket
0: to Bros, and then go to see Amsterdam. <laughs>
1: Honestly, that's that's not a bad strategy. <laughs> yeah. If we have to see Amsterdam, that's our new move. Because yeah. let's be real, that theater it's gotten bad reviews, and I don't think that many people are going to go yeah. see it. So,
0: yeah. So I think fall TV is more interesting, but uh, we'll see if we can convince Matt to sit down for four TV shows instead of one and a half movies.
1: <laughs> is it's only four?
0: <laughs> I don't remember. I'll look it up.
1: Yeah, we need to figure out how many hours this is. <laughs> If it's like fifteen hours of network it's like pop not shows, 15. I don't know. Fall I premiere season it? is
0: dying, but that's neither uh, like here. Okay, today. that's
1: a okay. Problem. Okay, okay, okay. We're done. I got it. Yeah. We gotta eat. And yeah, go to bed and stuff. <laughs> um, okay, we'll be back next week with a pop culture roundup at the least, <laughs> and we'll see. We'll see who you can't keep us accountable. Okay, bye. <laughs>